like I was a TV journalist and that would have been fun. And that was really like my goal in life, um, you know, and I was doing it. And then she gave me the gift of telling her story, which has now catapulted, you know, not only um, sort of, you know, the good that I think we can do together, but also what I can do professionally in my life, what I believe I'm capable of, like creating films is like, and big things. So it, it really has been the, 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 the best legacy gift uh, uh, a man could, could be given. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with influencers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good in all kinds of interesting ways. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is one of the scientifically proven ways we can age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. To find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and my book, Not Just Chatting, How to Become a Master Podcast Interviewer, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at upcoming episodes and other fun tidbits. If you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. Hi, everyone. I have a little Valentine's Day gift for you, which is fun and free and I think you're really going to like it. Well, here's an interesting fact. People who are kinder to themselves are more likely to be resilient and accomplish their goals than those who are unkind. And here's some more good news. Midlife is the perfect time to develop more self-compassion and self-love. And I paired up with Katie Phillips, one of my podcast guests and the founder of the School of Self-Love to produce a little three session series called Developing Self-Love at Midlife. It's short and sweet and full of great information. You can find it on YouTube under Nicole Christina. Um, or you could sign up for my newsletter at zestfulaging.com and I will have a link right on the page and you can follow it directly there. I really hope you'll sign up for this. As I said, it's fun and it's free. We have a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So I hope to see you there. We have a fantastic interview for you today. Sometimes, you know, we experience things that we think will only happen to other people. And this is a story about a son who witnesses his mom get pushed out of her job just because of her age. As a filmmaker, he uses the opportunity to document not only her struggle, but the bucket list adventure he takes her on to reclaim her life. 
And as she struggles to find work, he documents some of the painful realities from her past and the economic insecurity soon to shape not only her future, but that of an entire generation. Today, we're going to speak with the documentary filmmaker Sean Pierre Regis and his mom, Rebecca, about his acclaimed film, Duty Free. Welcome to the show, Sean and Rebecca. Yay. Thank Yay. you. <laughs> Thanks for having us. We're excited I am, to be here. I am so happy to have you. You know, we had talked about you being on the show a while back, Sean. You got terribly sick. Thank goodness it wasn't COVID. <laughs> yes. Since then, every time I turn on a media outlet, there you are <laughs> with your mom. And I'm so I'm just so delighted to see that because the film was, you know, heartwarming and complex. At the same time, you revealed a lot of, I, I, I guess I would just say, complicated issues, mm -hmm. painful issues, joyful issues. Um, I'm wondering now that you have a little bit perspective, uh, what are your thoughts and how, how was it to make a film about your mom's experience Oof. with ageism? Wow. Um, you know, it's funny. The film has taken five years um, to sort of get out there um, from the first frame I shot to, uh, you know, when we released it in May of um, in theaters here in, in the States. Um, and I still feel like I don't have enough perspective on it because it was such an emotional journey. Um, I've never felt as helpless and as sort of reactive as when I found out that my mom was fired with $600 in her bank account. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think I, I've learned to see my mom as a human and not as a mom. Um, that's a, that was... Um, a huge um, sort of evolution, um, which I don't think a lot of young people actually get to do, right? Um, and so I'm thankful for that. Um, I And I also sort of have recognized that my mom's story uh, of being fired or even feeling disposed of or invisible late in life is shared by quite literally millions of people. Mm -hmm. And that realization to me, I mean, it gives me chills you know, saying it right now. Um, and it has made us both sort of activate, right, and try and mm -hmm. take her situation and platform it so that we can platform other folks and this does not happen to anybody else. So you have become these massive advocates um, as a result of what happened to your mom. And I know you're, Rebecca, you have just spoken in front of the World Health Organization AARP and Capitol Hill? That's right. I was very fortunate to, to have been invited by those people to speak. But you know, I never realized I was old until this happened to me. And I never realized at all the hustles people go through when they're old and they're trying to find another job or what resources they have or where they go. We started this movie before COVID, COVID was on the horizon. And, you know, now thousands of people in the industry I was working, which was hotels, have been laid off. What do they do? Most of the people working in hotels are immigrants, they're older people. Mm -hmm. Where do they go? What do they do? What resources do they have? We have to change that. We have to know 
what's going to happen. That if you're working a full-time job, and it was quite clear, Rebecca, that you are a hard worker, um, and that you took great pride in your job, um, and that so easily disposed of, it's yes. quite, it's just, it, it's hard to believe that this is where we are as a civilization. I never expected this to happen to me. I mean, I heard it happen to people. But when you come here and you're an immigrant, you come for the American dream and you work every day and you keep working and working and sometimes it's hard, but you keep on going because you know there's a good at the end to just say, I'm sorry, dear, you're a wonderful employee, but today's your last day mm -hmm. is absolutely heartbreaking. Mm. It's heartbreaking. It, it's... <laughs> I mean, there's, it's hard to believe that this is happening in civilized societies mm. where, you know, you, you, maybe you look older and that there's such a clear discrimination. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, if I can speak from sort of a, a son's perspective or a millennial's perspective for, for that uh, matter, you know, there are, you know, 10,000 plus folks turning 65 or over every day in this country. That's more than that, that are under 18. Um, and if we continue to, you know, cast off our eldest, um, you know, where, like, what are we going to do with them? And, and that there's no, oftentimes, no recourse, right? I mean, when my mom was fired, I did, looked into all of the potential ways to, you know, how do we create an age discrimination lawsuit? Well, we were told um, oftentimes people actually don't win those cases um, in courts. Mm -hmm. That Though they say there are protections for older people, they're really, really hard to prove and to enforce. And so if this happens to many of those folks who are turning 10,000, uh, turning 65 plus, like, like, what situation will we be in? I mean, it to me, it's an ex it's a huge question that nobody is mm -hmm. sort of actually grappling with, or tackling. And as it pertains to younger people, it's like, if it's this bad, for my mom's generation, it is going to be far worse for us. And so if we don't stand up and stick our neck out and say, hey, what you did there was ageist, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you, the way that you speak, how you dealt with that that employee, you know, um, that was wrong. Then we are going to harm our future selves. Mm -hmm. mm. Hi, listeners. I wanted to introduce you to a podcast that I think you will love. It's called Out There. Here's the trailer, and in one of the new episodes, you will hear yours truly talk about a healing walk through the woods. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Willow Belden, the host of Out There Podcast. Out There is an award-winning show that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. This February, we're launching a new season. Hello! That's so, the bear doesn't get me. All season, we'll be sharing personal introspective narratives centered around the theme, Things I Thought I Knew. Each episode will focus on an outdoor experience that changed someone's understanding. I had this feeling I've never experienced before. Your back is against the ground, but you feel like you're floating. I felt beautiful. And that's not a thing I feel often as a black woman. I'd call it a spiritual connection. 
She saw me. She saw me and she understood. Find Out There wherever you get your podcasts. The new season begins February 3rd. What was your awareness of ageism um, in the workplace? You were working at CNN, is that right, Sean? That's right. And you were working doing I was your... An, I, was on, I was an on-camera contributor, so I was a journalist um, at mm-hmm. both CNN and MTV for in total um, you know, four or five years uh, across both um, and bringing stories of uh, either pop culture or social justice um, sort of millennial activism um, onto mm. the TV's you know, weekly. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, you're, you're a biracial man. You're a biracial gay mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. who is, I'm quite sure, has witnessed your own experiences with being marginalized. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, uh, we talk about, um, talk about, you know, as ageism as like sort of the DEI issue that nobody wants to address, right? Like this like equity, inclusion and diversity issue. I mean, because for me, I never thought about ageism, you mm-hmm. know, and, and frankly, you know, I was sort of had Peter Pan syndrome very young, you know, I was in media <laughs> in New York, I was mm-hmm. a young kid who was thriving, you know, I never wanted to get old, right? Like I wanted to stay young, I wanted to stay be hip, quote unquote, and you know, forever. So uh, things were good. Things, I mean, you right. you were in the groove. Totally. And then <laughs> when that happened to my mom, it made me rethink everything. You know, not uh-huh. only sort of like who we hear from in the everyday, like what we value and what we prize and why. And yet, like these are our parents that often a lot of us revere or older folks that we revere, like they inevitably are, you know, just taken out of the cultural conversation. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that really dawned on me. Um, and, and it's just unfortunate. Um, and not so bad you get fired because you're being restructured. Okay, you think, well, I've got 40 years experience. Everybody knows how I am in hotel world, probably no problem. You go to apply for a job. And then it says and the application, everything now is online, not you call Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith says, come in, you take your resume, you sit down, no more. You go on an internet, which you do not understand. Mm-hmm. Every job application is different. And then it comes to the question where they find out how old you are. They don't mm-hmm. say, how old are you? They say, scroll down to the last date, finished high school. And you mm-hmm. scroll down and it stops at 1979. So you think, oh, no, <gasps> worry, they made a mistake. I'll just type in, and by the way, finished high school. 1958, went to college when I was 11. I mean, nowhere to put that. So question 17, missing, missing, please fill in. Sorry, application Uh discarded. That's how they get you. I see. So it's sneaky. Sneaky, Sneaky, of course. Mm -hmm. And that's now we now have the Podger Act, which protects older Americans in the job application process, which was just passed. Uh, Is it different in the UK? Is there better protection for older Brits? Well, not to be uh, bad. America's been good to me, I would say, and it gave me a job and safety. But in England, an Englishman's word is his bond. And when I took this job at a much lesser pay to help us more as a a company that never had a hotel before, put it together and I said, Rebecca, you can live here rent-free. When I told him, look, I can't afford to take that job. You don't pay enough. Well, no worry, we'll throw in the rent for free. Don't worry, Rebecca, it will be an investment for you. So me, I'm thinking I'm there till they take me out in my box. I'm not thinking (laughs) about being lost or anything. That was it. In England, we have free Medicare, free free health insurance. You got housing. 
you yep. got pension right. money, what, and I th- more benefits. I think that that's where the difference is. Yeah. I think, um, you know, England, particularly in London, is becoming, you know, it's a Western country. And, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's capitalist. Um, but, uh, you know, I think in terms of the social services mm. that are provided to older adults, um, is they vastly exceed what's happening in this country. There's I a mean, safety net. Oh, yeah, there's a safety net. There's mm-hmm. housing that's accessible. There's, you mm-hmm. know, health care that's accessible. Mm-hmm. Here, it's like, you're not able, you're living paycheck to paycheck as mm-hmm. an employee, most people here in this country and then you get to you know where you're not able to receive income anymore because no one will hire you and yet you're still expected to pay out for your housing and for mm-hmm. your health care and mm-hmm. for your um so how how do you survive just structurally yeah. exactly it's a setup exactly I see. so this idea of your you know your interest sean in social problems um it sounds like it went a direction you did not anticipate <laughs> and boy you know you're, I can hear the passion in your voice. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I think when anything hits you close to home and you're a storyteller, then you are driven by a passion unknown to most else. Um, and that was what happened in this case, was that it was so close to home and mm-hmm. my eyes were so opened. Mm-hmm. That you didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice. It is a, it is a calling from somewhere else um, that is driving me to make sure that, that people are aware. It's such a, I'm just thinking about the, uh, how far you've traveled from finding out about your mom and, and what appeared, at least on the film, is just you, your desperation mm. and your helplessness. Um, and, and Rebecca, you were obviously, who wouldn't be, struggling and I in pain was. and grief. And now here you are you know, really of influencing um, some of the, uh, the, the, the laws. Well, here's my next venture is, I want to see in every handbook, a last page, which says exactly what will happen on your last day of work. So you're not worried, what am I gonna do? Where am I gonna go? This is what will happen on your last day of work because the first page tells you about your vacation, your sick days, your 401k, the last page. And mm-hmm. if you are restructured, for example, you'll receive 60 days notice of such restructuring, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That's my next venture. I see, I see. And that, and is that something that, uh, what do you, what do you do? How are you influencing policy to get there? How, yeah, so we what's are, the road? <laughs> so a lot of this, you know, with films, documentary films in particular, you know, the uh, filmmaker kind of has a choice and a filmmaking team has a choice. You know, do you create this piece of art and you put it out in the world and you sort of walk away from it? Um, what has been part of the key to our success is that we've really built out an impact and engagement campaign that that sort of lives uh, on the tail end of this film. And so mm-hmm. we're working with partners like AARP, National Council on Aging, Caring Across Generations, to you know create key partnerships that allow mm-hmm. us to get this story out there, to connect with Congress people as necessary mm-hmm. to connect. And so one mm-hmm. of the things, um, sort of the next stage of our impact and engagement um, a campaign is to 
uh, work with uh, a couple small organizations who are willing to test out the last page in a handbook so that their employers, employees are aware of sort of what the protocol will be on their last day. You know, will mm-hmm. they get paid a week for every year worked? Will they, you know, what can they expect? Because when my mom was left with just two weeks pay after working over a decade mm-hmm. in a hotel, um, and was given just two weeks pay. I mean, it was unconscionable and sort mm-hmm. of a good it's luck. It's cruel. It's yeah, cruel. It's just cruel. And, so you're yeah. taking the personal and you're moving it into policy. That's right. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want this to happen to anybody else. I'm wondering, Rebecca, what it's been like for you, um, you know, as a mom, as a worker, as an immigrant, um, as just a as just a human finding yourself in the biggest media uh, outlets in the world, what has what's the experience like for you? The experience is like I, I haven't walked this whole new beginning yet, but I'm beginning to like this new beginning. <laughs> <laughs> what I do mean, you like most about it? Well, be frank, the attention. (laughs) (laughs) I love your honesty. I'm very honest. If you see that film, not one line was rehearsed. Now, I'm a very honest, down-to-earth person. I saw you dancing. To be, oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, The minuet, maybe, but the hip-hop was a little difficult for me. Tough. But... um, it's a new beginning. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm hearing from people. People are writing to me. The same thing happened to them. And I, I, silly me, I never understood this. I'm just going along willy-nilly thinking I'm doing the greatest job and I'm this and I'm that. And actually I'm not. I'm just a little cog in a wheel that didn't fit in anymore. And, mm. and it's a shame. It's a shame. But I will say that seeing my mom, you know, my mom is truly a star and it took me to it took me making this film to really understand that. I mean, there were times in the edit session where we would watch it back with, um, you know, so f- folks who wanted to give feedback and their connection to my mom having ne- never met her before was like otherworldly. And that's been the response, um, not just with audiences, but also with the media. I mean, to see her on CBS Sunday Morning or CNN or BBC or, you know, these really, really major outlets and, you know, to see her, her in her element, which is not only charming, but also effective in terms of her messaging mm-hmm. has really like, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It really, it just like makes me so, so proud. And also to know that like every day of my life <clears throat> growing up, like this is the woman who was raising me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with, with uh, you know, with not a lot of resources right. and a special needs child. Right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, it's it strikes me, and the love between the two of you is so evident. But how sweet this must be, Sean, that you're able to really do this with your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, you're helping each other in a sense. Totally, and we've both had different experiences. I think. I mean, you know, for me. Um, not only did I get to go on this amazing adventure with my best friend, but it also elevated like what I thought, what I realized that I was capable of. And those are like, so that's sort of a gift that only a mom can give you where like I was a TV journalist and that would have been fine. And that was really like my goal in life, um, you know, and I was doing it. And then she gave me the gift of telling her story, which has mm-hmm. now catapulted you know, not only 
um, sort of, you know, the good that I think we can do together, but also what I can do professionally in my life, what I believe I'm capable of, like creating films is like... And big things, and big, big, things. big issues. Exactly, exactly. And so it, it really has been the, 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 the best legacy gift mm. uh, a man could, could be given. I, yeah, I mean, I just think about going from where you were to uh, influencing policy is is just most people wouldn't even dream of that. That's right. And it's, as an independent film, you know, it really, as, truly mm, independent film. It's mm, amazing. Yeah. Um, you know what also occurs to me, and this has been a theme in some of my interviews, is when you get to be an adult, there have been hard times unless you are incredibly fortunate. It's very rare that you would get to be a full adult without having some, you know, life um it's just presenting some mm -hmm. some harsh realities and i think about rebecca and her resilience and rebecca you know i some of what was so fascinating to me is how you reconciled a pretty painful past in yeah. this film as well it's not just about fighting ageism it's about um being resilient and sort of coming out transformed after going through some pretty horrible times as a as a breast cancer survivor i really appreciated yeah. oh, you know you. your 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 description of i couldn't do anything i had chemo yeah yeah it's very tough it's very tough but i very well, lucky. when you look back now on the relationships that have changed, going back to the UK, sort of reconciling um, um, relationships, what's what's that like? It's night and day, night and day. I, I know I'm getting to know my granddaughter better, and um, my daughter, uh, uh, you know, has accepted, you know, what I mean. I never thought I was doing anything wrong. I thought I was doing the best thing. As indeed, I think most mothers think they're doing the best thing when they do it. I simply, I didn't have a choice but to send her to my sister who had raised me. But now um, she, we've talked a lot and we talk very often. And it's, thank you, God. Thank you, God. What a gift. Yes. That this experience has yeah. provided so many opportunities. Yes. I'm able to, you know, mend the fences, which not a lot of people have an opportunity to do. And, and, and you know, I think yeah. a lot of people, uh, you know, particularly in the documentary world, but I think generally, you know, like this idea of going on a bucket list adventure is very pop. Right. It's very it's very top 40. It's very, <laughs> you know, MTV. Yes, um, I was going to say that, you know, and and so, you know, it was a struggle making this film um, and trying to get gatekeepers to say uh, to understand the power that a bucket list adventure like this can really bring to one's life. Um, and for my mom to be able to reunite with her daughter after, you know, a decade um, and to be able to meet her granddaughter and to be able to, okay. you know, like 
even just skydive, you know, Mm. like at 75, (laughs) I mean, a bucket list adventure can really open us up to ourselves Mm. in ways that we never expected. And I think, you know, part of the reason this film has resonated beyond, you know, the, the honesty, you know, with my mom and her daughter or whatever, it's like, we are all searching in this moment of COVID, you know, for like, who are we? What do we want to be about? Like, What's what do we important? really want to do? Exactly. And, yeah. and yes, our bucket list adventure was, you know, took us across the world and all of that. But it doesn't have to be that way, right? There are small things there. You can pick up a phone and call somebody that you've been hesitant to call for years, right? Like, what are those things that open you up to yourself? Um, so. And also well, avoiding the regrets, the deathbed yes. regrets, right. like I should yes. have called yes. them. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. But in mm. one nutshell, family is everything. No matter mm-hmm. about the job, you don't let your job define you. I gave mm-hmm. up my life for my job and at the, mm-hmm. at the expense of my family. And you, and, and you had to. I mean, you were in survival mode, and mm-hmm. I think it would be fair to say the working poor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many, yes. many people are. Oh yes. my goodness. What are the next opportunities? What's what's mm-hmm. next for for the two of you? Well, we'll continue to do advocacy work and impact work, as we mentioned. Um, we'll be working with AARP through the year. Um, and we also have some news that we can't mention yet, um, <laughs> but which is sort of more on the entertainment front. Um, ah! So, yeah, lots of really cool things are sort of coming out of this film. Um, and, and of course, my mom will continue to support um, sort of the, the, the Protect Older Job Applicants Act, which will be voted on by the Senate, which essentially protects older job applicants from being discriminated for their age, mm-hmm. um, not on the job, but before they even get the job. Um, mm-hmm. And so you'll see more. And then, of course, my mom will continue to talk to her 50,000 Instagram followers <laughs> every day, uh, giving them a new housekeeping hack or a new tip that they oh. love. And <laughs> so lovely. So lovely. What a beautiful film, Sean. It well, really thanks. touched me deeply um, on, on, on many different levels. And I so appreciate you, uh, your work. It's it's so very important, and I really I really appreciate what you're doing, and I congratulate you on on being seen and being recognized. Oh, thank you so much. We're so appreciative of your interest, and um, yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you. We need to find out. Uh, I'm sure my audience will want to find out how they can see this beautiful film, Duty Free. What's uh, what's the best way to, to watch? Yes. So if you are in the States, um, mm-hmm. you can check it out. You can go to dutyfreefilm.com and find all the places to watch the film. It could okay. be on PBS. Or, um, but you can also buy a DVD if you are international. We ship internationally. So... Beautiful. That is lovely. And you'll be coming to upstate New York in March. Yes, we'll be in upstate New York in March at Colgate University, my alma mater, showing the film. And we'll also be opening um, in the UK and Australia later this year. Um, so if you your audience is in, 
in those mm-hmm. areas, um, they can look <laughs> mm-hmm. out for the film opening then. And though, and all of those dates will be on your website, dutyfreefilm.com? That's right. Okay. So appreciate your time. Such a such an honor to speak with you both. Thank you so much. The pleasure was ours. Thank you so very much, and Happy New Year. Thank Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.